welcome. This is episode seven of uh, Word to Your Mama. And I'm talking like this, because, like a little bit. Um, it's because I got surgery on my mouth, on my teethies, and I got bone grafting done. So now I have bovine bone up in my jaw, and I'm hoping it takes. And the supernatural bear says that I am a cowborg now. So this is hosted by Ritzy P. Me, the Cowborg. Um, episode seven recorded last week prior to my surgery. Um, we have two amazing women from the art world that I wanted to have on here to discuss the current state of the art world and how it impacts BIPOC disabled. LGBTQ plus artists, creatives, um, and they just drop mad gems um, and information, um, gems of bars of wisdom and, um, you know, glimpses of hope. We have good time. And uh, this is the first time that I've had guests that I don't know really well. And Word to Your Mama is about um, building my tribe, right? And these women are definitely a part of that. And I feel that because of this interview, we bonded on air and off. And it was a good time. And uh, I look forward to building even more with them. Um, also, just a little tidbit, I think the first 17, 18 minutes of... Um, the podcast, we had like technical difficulties. Um, so the sound might be a little different from the rest of the episode. But nonetheless, it's, a, it's an amazing time. So let's get into this shit. So, uh, ladies, thank you for being here. I thought. What I like to do for the episode is um, I do like an intro after the fact, like I okay. listen to the whole thing and I do an intro. But for this, because it's, I have two amazing, beautiful women on here to talk about this art situation, I figured also so that they get to know who your voice is, like they can, you know, tell between the voices. Okay. Um, why don't we go ahead and introduce introduce yourselves so that they understand who you are, what you do, and they can hear your voice. Who wants to go first? Perfect. Yvonne, please. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I take orders really well. Can you tell? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm Yvonne Gallardo. I'm an arts and culture management consultant, a.k.a. a shameless whore for artists. Um, <laughs> And I wear a lot of hats um, and I'm very proud of that fact uh, because I I'm driven by learning. So um, I, I like to describe that that's really my my driver for all things under the Yvonne umbrella is learning new things. So happy to be that's here. Great. Thanks for the invite. That's great. Thanks for being here. OK, next up. All right. I am Colony Little, and I am based here in Raleigh, just relocated from Los Angeles. 
I've mm-hmm. been in Raleigh for a year, a year as of Friday. So uh, time flies, which is crazy. Um, I am a freelance writer focused on the arts, both in Los Angeles and here in North Carolina. So I'm splitting my time and my and uh, my interests, um, but I focus on contemporary art and specifically Black women artists. So amplifying their profiles and getting their stories out to the masses is my is my primary uh, reason of being in the art world. So love it. that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. And so now you guys hear what the, their names, who they are, and their voices. You can kind of tell them apart. And I wanted to just jump in and let's talk about where we're pan- pandemic time, kids. We're still pandemic mm. time. Let's not get it twisted. And mm. let's talk about what are the what is how do you guys feel the current state of the art world in general is? And then w- let's talk about how the art world, how the COVID, how the pandemic has affected um, BIPOC, um, disabled, LGBTQIA plus uh, mm-hmm. artists. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's different, right? Because mm-hmm. you look at the art world and the mm-hmm. art world in general, we're talking about a certain demo. <laughs> Let's be real. And right. then you break it down. How does that trickle down and how, the, how who, who does it really affect? So yeah. whoever wants to roll first, yeah. let's talk about it. Ooh, um, I'll, I'll start if you don't mind, Yvonne. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, the arts community has taken a huge to say that they've taken a huge beating is an understatement. I mean, COVID is is certainly uh, one thing um, in terms of you know artists' ability to create work and show work. And if they can't show work, you don't have people buying it. And so it's it's really impacted every area of the ecosystem, um, from the galleries who are closing left and right to the museums that have had to furlough the majority of their staff um, and have had to shut their doors for, you know, five, six months. They're just now starting to open back up, which is promising, but you know, there's just all of the shows that have been put on hold that have kind of just been in stasis. Um, It's tough for the curators. It's tough for the workers who've been furloughed. And when we talk about uh, BIPOC individuals who have been disproportionately impacted through the furloughs and the layoffs, you add a whole nother layer of challenges um, into the mix. And with the riots and the police shootings and the movement for Black lives, and there have just been all of these issues that have hit us all at the same time. And so that's also impacted how artists create work in this moment that speak to this moment. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, to say that everyone's struggling is just kind of an understatement. There are some artists that are thriving in this moment who are like, okay, I can use my art to speak to this moment. And there are others that have had to uh, retreat and figure out, okay, um, what can I do and what, you know, how is this going to impact me as an artist? Can I continue to be an artist in this, mm-hmm. in this state without proper funding and support? Um, so it's, it, it's just been really difficult. Um, yeah. And, you know, what more can I, you know, it's just, um, for me as a writer, um, you know, 
it's been tough just because I thrive in, you know, being around artists and being around art itself. And so when I can't be around art, I just get, you know, cranky and grumpy and sad (laughs) and depressed. And so, you know, just to even put myself in the, in the shoes of an artist who has to, um, you know, uh, rely on, on their work being seen. It's, it's just really a tough place to be. Yeah. And what's your take, uh, Yvonne? What, what do you see anything different? You just piggyback on that. Well, for sure, all of that, like that, that definitely um, seems to be the state of the general arts and culture field. Um, But I like to distinguish um, the art market players from the rest Mm -hmm. of the art world. Staying competitive in these dynamic times means having the right technology at work for your small or medium-sized business. Whether your goal is to grow, downsize, or modernize, Panoply BPO provides the right combination of tools, support, and affordability necessary to make it a reality. Visit panoplybpo.com. That's P-A-N-O-P-L-Y-B-P-O. Dot com to schedule your no-obligation consultation today. Mention WTYM and get your 13th month of service for free. PanoplyBPO.com. There is a better way. Um, and I, rest of the art world has really been um, already experiencing the impacts of historic and systemic inequities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially artists who have been, um, you know, just kept out of those mainstream uh, art uh, environments and markets. And uh, I think COVID just took it to a whole nother level, Uh, I think there's a lot of frustration, uh, a lot of, um, I'm a very intuitive person, so I feel the weight of a Mm -hmm. lot of creatives. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the the, the anxiety, the struggle, the surrender, and and over and over and over again, um, then I'm going to take it to a whole nother level as, you know, when we talk about women of color, um, black and Latina female artists who are moms, like that's a whole nother thing. Right? Please believe um, it. Where does your creative space go to? Where does your creative time um, go? Uh, so, but but I think that um, we've been experiencing this sort of like hanging by a thread um, existence as creatives for a while, and. What I'm really inspired by, so so what I mean by that is like, I think artists who are organizing are organizing even more around um, change. Yeah. And I think more artists now are organizing for change, right? Because it's like, what, what can we do in this moment? So I'm really inspired by a coalition building that's happening, mm-hmm. um, both at the... Uh, you know, arts and culture organization level and an individual artist level. Um, so that's something that's really inspiring. And I'm also really inspired by um, how 
the broader social justice movements and the uh, the voice, right, the screams that that we need to be screaming, you know, at this moment uh, is transferring into, I think, arts and culture and artists, right? They are finding their voices to speak to, um, you know, what 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 is needed to be creative, what is needed to um, just be in that space where work becomes uh, conceptualized. And and I think that's power. Um, I think that there's a, a disconnect between some uh, of our arts and culture spaces between what what is what is possible in those spaces uh, and, and what is possible out in the streets. Right? They're, those mm-hmm. are two different things. Yeah. I think there's some, as some have referred to it, like this cognitive dissonance that's happening um, that mm. I think it can be really heavy and frustrating as we organize ourselves and as we try to figure out paths to um, work. And and yet I think there is a pocket in there for um, something beautiful to be born, right, for something mm-hmm. different created and how we see ourselves. Yep. So, um, yeah, all of that COVID, all of the COVID limitations, all of the, um, you know, the looking under the hood of capitalism and how arts mm. and culture reflect that reality. Um, I, I, I think that's been, that's been, um, around for a while. I'm just really excited about what's being created in this moment. Mm-hmm. If not work, then connection and yeah. exploration, at least. Yeah. And I also have now that we, you know, we we came into this all thinking, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, <laughs> a couple of months. Here we are, October, where like what some people are month eight. And I feel like with all the things you guys mentioned, the social justice and all this stuff like that, I feel like we were too busy. Right being those hamsters and those hamsters wheels to really see what the fuck's going on in a lot of these creative institutions. Like uh, during this time, I don't know, maybe it's a couple of months ago now, who's to say, but you know, uh, a black design, as I'm a designer and an artist, a black designer um, from one of the biggest uh, design clubs, organizations was just like shedding all this light on the ex- already pre-existing racism in the design world, you know, and mm-hmm. one of the AIGA and why I never joined because I never felt I connected with any of these people and and all these other institutions, especially during Black Lives Matter, like, you know, surfacely saying, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But wh- where's the proof? Like, where where's the, the actionable things that we could see? And I feel like as I, the fucked up of saying, oh, a positive that's come out of this fucked upness is pulling, you know, pulling the wool over a grip of people's eyes, mine included, and being like, okay, that needs to get fucking fixed over here. Yep. That needs to get yep. fucking fixed. Like, so, and, and, every, and also another thing is people are like, oh, I can't just Instagram this shit. I really, I got people are asking for plans. People want to see receipts. What are you doing yeah. During these times. Well, I think that's what's uh, really interesting in how people have responded in this moment. I think that it's, uh, we've had this global reckoning with race and racism 
across all institutions and we're exposing systemic racism, um, historical and how it manifests in the present. And what I found really interesting was the number of open letters in the museum sector um, Mm. where people uh, were coming together, like you mentioned, Yvonne, with coalitions and really holding institutions accountable. It's not, it's, you know, it's one thing to put up your uh, picture of an artist that you, you know, highlighted in an exhibition, but let's look at what you guys have in your holdings. What are you doing Mm. to ensure that your board is diverse? What are you doing to ensure that your artists are diverse, your holdings are diverse? and your staff are diverse. And so um, as museums have uh, come up with their boilerplate responses, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, we have the responsibility to ensure that they take action and follow through on all that. So we're kind of in this, in this interesting holding pattern where, um, you know, we still have to wait and see um, what, how they're going to respond and what they're going to do in the next year or so. Um, and we've also seen that, you know, a lot of institutions have just simply paid lip service. And so yeah. we have to hold them to account as well. I think that, um, you know, what's, what's interesting too is just seeing how we experience art um, has changed dramatically too. And, um, for, for me being in Raleigh right now is just, it's been a really wild ride because, um, shortly after George Floyd's death, we painted a mural in the street on, you know, end racism now. And we spent a lot of time, the organizers for that particular mural spent a lot of time talking about the monuments and the Confederate monuments that are literally right up the street from where I live. And two weeks later, they came toppling down. So it's just this, there's this moment that we have to seize. And the art that was in the streets that reflected this kind of, this energy and this moment all on these plywood, you know, plywood uh, walls that were built up to protect businesses, um, those voices actually had a platform for everyone Mm. to experience and see. And so suddenly art was taken out of this pristine, you know, institution and this white cube and it was, and it was put in the street. So I, I just think there, there are so many ways for all of us to use our voice and hold and hold individuals accountable. It's just, it's going to take some time to see, you know, how to see how we reap the benefits of that in the future. Yeah. I couldn't agree more that everyone has their role, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of guilt guilt that comes with um, those of us who may not no longer be in, you know, on the front lines of the protest, but we're leveraging the power that we have in our own spaces. And it's so needed. I do. Let me tell you, since March, so I've done a lot of diversity, equity, inclusion work, cultural equity and inclusion work within the field, even before um, the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and how that's just exploded a new kind of um, focus and investment by institutions to have these conversations and to approach the work intentionally. Um, But I realize I'm like, this is not our first time at the rodeo with this discussion. Nope. 
We've been in iteration upon iteration of discussion for decades, not to mention, you know, our elders who have been, you know, leading organizations and movements, having these conversations. Um, I, you know, part of part of this newly invigorated conversation is because this is an issue of relevance. You're not doing any the institution not doing us any favors. We've proven time and time again that we can do, you know, express ourselves, create quality work, uh, create movements outside of these institutions where they they're they're not even relevant, right, right. to how we move work forward. That being said, I think the institutions realize because of the demographic changes that are happening in the country, this is about their survival. If, you know, they need to stop throwing it to the side as an ancillary special project or an arts education mm -hmm. project, and they need to integrate it into who they are at every level, in the mission, in the value. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so these discussions vary, right? And there's a lot of a, a range of how these institutions are approaching the work from, well, we're already doing that work. And it's like, you probably aren't doing it, right? Like, I'm just right. like, you think is right? And then there's the right way, right? <laughs> the other end, on the other end of the spectrum, there's just folks who really almost like deer in a headlights, like don't know, you know, think they don't know what to do. And it's like, actually, you do know what to do. Yeah. Um, you do it with your mainstream audiences, white audiences, white donors every day. And yeah. it's no different. So um, uh, that that effort, investment and intentionality, right, needs to be a focused and sustained effort or else, you know, yeah. We're going to do our own thing, which we've been doing already. Mm -hmm. um, so this is really upon like, you know, in the as we've been seeing in wider discussions around race um, and inequities, um, th this is not this no longer on our plate. Right. This is about. In, in the words of Toni Morrison, like, you know, white people, this is white people's problem. Yeah. And they, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yep. So, um, and I think, I, I do think that the majority of people I work with are coming to the discussion in that spirit, like taking responsibility. Um, but it's definitely, as Colony mentioned, this is a long-term effort. I love the conversations where people come and they talk about, well, we need to do something now. And it's like, look, we've had 600 years of colonization plus, right? 400 right. years of slavery. Like, this is going to take some time. We, yes, we're <laughs> in a new place. Yes, we're in a different space. Yeah. But this is going to take some time. So let's be strategic, right? Mm -hmm. Do I see this work on four levels, personal, interpersonal, organizational, and systemic. Yeah. And all of those, we have to be working on all of those. Yep. And so I think, um, you know, gather yourself, gather, gather the very heightened emotions that we're all kind of sitting with, mm -hmm. experiencing, and, and then uh, let's get to work, right? Let's, let's think strategically because we have an opportunity in front of us right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So go, go kind of going back to, um, you know, some of the things you were mentioning before, um, you mentioned, especially, uh, artists of color that have families and how that's impacted them as well. Right. And just 
being an artist of color, but also, you know, handling our own business. And pre-pandemic, I was barely trying to figure out, you go in these ways of how to get that bandwidth to create. Then COVID happens and, you know, it's like, this. it's time for artists. This is our time. And all the yeah. injustices, we're like, this is, this is your time. It's, your time is up. Like you're, you're being yeah. called up to the front to make shit. And I was just like, I cannot... It was another level. And I think that's also something to consider, right? It's just like on the artist side, it's just I've talked to my artist friends and some of them say, I can't fucking get to that space. I don't have the bad. It's too much stress, anxiety. It's too many things happen at the same time. And it was Mm -hmm. feeling really bad about it, too. Now, months in, you know, you see all the posts like. You, mama, you don't got to be creating right now to 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 know your worth. Like you are mm-hmm. an artist, regardless. You taking the time for you is 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 important during this mm-hmm. time, and mm-hmm. and and because of that, I'm even more grateful for the artists who have shown up and showed the fuck out and been there for us to be our voices, right? Mm-hmm. So, like you mentioned, some people it, it's not just in the arts in business in general, you have to evolve or become extinct. And this is a crazy weird time, but you had to pivot. Yeah. Sometimes you pivot and as best as you can in some industries and you're still not making it because so many systems were already broken pre pandemic that even you doing your best, you're not going to make it. And a lot of places are closing down for different Mm -hmm. industries. But in artists, I've seen people thrive right now you know some Mm -hmm. artists thrive because they pivoted in unique ways tiktok or i like to call the tip top and you know it's like on the i rely on you ritzy on uh, tiktok to forward the highlights because i'm just yeah because i like to curate tiktok it would be i already don't have a life i would be like completely immersed you know Lurking on TikTok. I like, have to all day. agree. I have to agree. I would. I would like. I stop at TikTok. I cannot at TikTok. Like I, I can't. So thank you for you sharing gems. Yeah, those nuggets of fabulous. Believe me, yeah. ladies, you don't want to go down that road because <laughs> as we are part of a, another age, we're part of the similar age bracket. These kids born with this shit, they can deal with this shit. When I got into it, someone was like, be careful. You're going to be addicted for like two weeks. Please believe it. <laughs> I was addicted. And I was like, huh, what is this? But I was like, I don't want to see all this dancing shit. What the fuck is this? So then I started looking. So the longer you're on and then you start curating your shit, then now I'm people are like, I don't, all I see is dancing. Where are you getting this? I was like, I paid motherfucking dues to get, you know, I follow artists. You know what I'm saying? I did work. I yeah. did the work to get that, you, you know. Work and we reap the benefits. <laughs> yeah, and I try Thank to, you know, you. push the, I don't post everything, but some gems. But on there, <laughs> you know, it wasn't as popular. It got real popular um, during this time. And artists, I've seen mm-hmm. artists that um, they are, you post your uh, Venmo, your Cash App, and they're mm-hmm. artists of color, amazing artists of color, uh, of color, indigenous, uh, disabled, all the whole spectrum of artists. And they're just posting the artwork, posting mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, a work in progress and a finished thing, posting how they package something. People mm-hmm. love fucking if you're listening to this. 
post some packaging videos on tip on the tip top. Love that shit. They love that shit. And then they support like, you know, yeah. they might not even buy some. They just on the strength send you stuff. So anyways, just all that to say, you know, I've seen some people thrive, but mm-hmm. that's kind of like just like this temporary thing. Right. We don't know the longevity of that. We don't know the longevity of TikTok and all the shit going down with that. Um, so how do you think the systems, organizations, how do you think you, how do you feel they, they should change? I know you, you had the, the, the four prong, like active plan, like right action plan. What, what should artists, what do you think artists should be thinking about in this moment in prep for if we get out of this in four months a year, whatever, like, what do you feel from your guys's background? What do you feel that they should be doing and thinking about right now? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I, you know, my world is on Instagram. So when you're talking about TikTok, I spend as much time on Instagram, um, with artists and galleries. And, uh, what I love is getting into studios and doing studio visits with artists. And when you're talking about the boxing, you know, boxing up (laughs) some work, show your studio, show your work, show your process, warts and all, because people want to see you, uh, you know, we're all not living this glamorous life in the art world. Let's be real. Um, And, you know, show, you know, your vulnerable moments as well as your triumphs. And I think that, um, you know, when artists can deal, deal with and work with, um, collectors directly, I mean, you're kind of, you know, taking that gallery system out of the equation and commissions and all that good stuff. And so galleries are, are going to cringe, you know, at these comments, but, you know, artists need to find multiple streams and, you know, and offer multiple avenues for people to come to the work. And I think that that's, that's critical right now. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that artists are, are now thinking about, um, you know, new ways of showing their work and selling their work. Um, in the Bay area, um, San Francisco camera work just had an auction a benefit auction for, um, photographers and for the nonprofit. And so they auctioned off, uh, some work of, I can't remember how many, uh, how many photographers participated. It was a pretty good number. And there was one individual in particular who had this beautiful print of a young boy at, on the 4th of July. And it was some fireworks, this beautiful print. And it was called black Americans. And instead of auctioning off the piece, he offered a license for the work. And after a specific period of time, um, that piece of work goes back to the photographer's estate. And it was a specific, you know, like, I want to acknowledge this moment. I want to acknowledge the disparities of um, how Black individuals and Black artists have been treated by this system. And I want to do something to change it. So I don't know if that's going to be a, you know, a sustainable model for the future. But it was a, I saw that and I said, this is what we need more of. And 
if you could see the image of that young child kind of looking up at the sky and looking at the possibilities, it was kind of that creativity, that, you know, mm-hmm. ingenuity, that innovation. That's the kind of thing that we all can, you know, take from and learn from. And for artists who are, are struggling with, you know, where do I fit in in this moment? it will come to you. You just, yeah. you know, but you have to be open to it. And, and, you know, seeing that just completely opened my eyes to, you know, a way to solve a, a problem that exists right now and, you know, kind of come up with a solution to change it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that so yeah. Much. His, his name, I, mean, I wrote it down. It's uh, Adrian Burrell and Ritzy, I'll send you a picture. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And I'll put a link in the show notes for everyone yeah. to see what we're ta- what you're talking about. That would be, yeah. that's great. Cause that's a, you know, that's next level move. That's like seeing, it really is. you know, it, cause the episode that's before you guys, that comes out tomorrow, tomorrow, the date, I don't forget the date, the six. Um, I talked to Kano, who's a good friend of mine, an artist, animator mm-hmm. as well. And we talk about how Keith Haring is one of our inspirations, but mm-hmm. also how back in the days people looked down on him because, you know, um, art is supposed to be up here, but he, you know, he wanted to make it accessible and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But now it's the norm, have a pop-up shop, pop you, know, shop sell, yeah. you know, have a pop yeah. shop and have like, you know, yeah. have your $30,000, $50,000 pieces, but then put it on yeah. a magnet, put it on a da 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 Like, you know, that's kind of the norm now, but the licensing thing, that's been like, a lot of people don't know about it or don't think in those terms. And that's the kind of shit we're talking about. Like, Mm-hmm. I did a, a talk recently and it was about creativity, technology and legacy. And it's about mm-hmm. um, access to art and making and understanding that, especially now with the internet, we have access to it. But what's the legacy? Like what kind of moves do we mm-hmm. make as artists? Like you were saying, like this is a chess move. That is. <laughs> like, yeah. right? Talk about yeah. legacy, right? Yeah, that, that's, that, that's a chess move. And, mm-hmm. and there's some art, some artists in, you know, certain art spaces who have been knowing about that, who their mm-hmm. who their uh, the gallery owner has been telling them about it, the their managers and agents, because they have this whole team that's looking out for them because if they look out for them, they look out for themselves. Right. right. But the individual artist needs to know more shit like this, like licensing yeah. longevity makes one instead of paying out a lump sum, you get your shit licensed. So different people can license it out. You get that pass. Like you guys said earlier, you know, the different streams of income and what's mm-hmm. possible, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and not thinking like, well, that's beneath, just do whatever you feel is comfortable for you, but you know, let's make it accessible to everybody. And if someone mm-hmm. can buy a magnet of your shit, <laughs> And you make yeah. you make a difference that way, like make a difference that way. Like, you know what I'm yep. saying? Like it's it's there's so many so many levels to that. Um, right. I just love that. So I, I was a big I, I was very vocal about hating uh, institutions and organizations asking individual artists to donate work to auctions um, if they didn't mm-hmm. have some sort of split right? Where, where they take 50% of the prison. Like, it's just, it's hard enough for our artists, right? Artists of color, black and black and brown artists to, um, make a living and then to like lean upon, you know, production. I, I, you know, of course it's up to the artists, but I just, 
you know, in terms of equity, it just rubbed me the wrong way all around. So well, I just the Whitney love that example. approach. Yeah, it the was Whitney. Like yeah, yeah. Exactly. So tell us, tell the, Whitney, the people more about what the Whitney what what, what happened. So the Whitney had a uh, there it wasn't the Whitney, sorry, but there was a coalition that came together to um, sell prints um, and very affordable prints. I think they were a hundred dollars. If uh, they had to that price at that value, yeah, kind of in terms of donating, yeah, and that was specifically um, to expand access to individuals who just would not be able to afford the artist's work otherwise. And so, um, so great idea in theory. Um, but unfortunately, uh, an individual at the, at the Whitney or the Whitney as an organization came to acquire a majority of the prints that were being sold through this benefit and then planned a show around that work with the intention of amplifying their work and their stories. Uh, but that completely, you know, erased the artist's agency in that process and mm. diminished their ability to, you know, control how much their work should go for. And so that was just a, a completely inappropriate response to, um, an intentional act for for a coalition that whose meaning completely got lost in the in this process yeah. by being exploited by a museum and so it was just you know it, the sad thing was that the SF Camera Works auction that kind of came right on the heels of that and so I know that they were really deliberate on negotiating with the artists individually on how much their piece was going to go up for and what percentage they were going to um, retain from the sale so it's one step in the right direction to kind of, you know, counteract yeah. what happened there. But but. That's a good thing. I think that as, as all of these missteps are being, uh, you know, a light is being shined on all of these missteps at this yep. moment, we, we're learning from them, right? All exactly. of us are learning yeah. from them. Yes. But I want to go back to your question, um, Ritzy, about like what can art, you know, what are yeah. artists, which artists focus on right now? Um, I, I really would uh, say that, um, you know, beef up your, take this time to, if you have time, okay. Acknowledging yeah. parents yeah. again, mm-hmm. um, uh, take this time to, uh, get tech ready, right. Or to explore tech your tech mm-hmm. capacity, right. Like, um, that's one thing. If you see, you know, opportunities to apply for fellowships or grants or relief funding, I mean, just be like, I'm going to use it to beef up my tech capacity, right? Buy my computers, buy my mics, buy my whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the time to do it. Funders are actually, um, that, that is one strategy that uh, big funders are, are taking on mm-hmm. in this moment. And I would say, um, the second thing is inspired by um, Michelle Michelle McNamara, the writer. There was a documentary, um, Oswald Patton's wife. Um, there was a documentary oh. he made about her books. Right, she's a uh, she was the um, Golden State Killer uh, writer. She's oh, in, yeah. entrenched in this, right? And there was one one moment of the documentary that really stood out to me, which was. Patton Oswalt is describing his wife's creative process, like how she she wrote. And he said that 
she would spend this much time ideating yeah. for that much output, mm-hmm. right? And I would really, I just really want to uplift that for artists in this moment, I think focusing on the ideation part may yeah. be kind of hard or, d- d- you know, because we're so everywhere is telling us to produce something right. Normally like produce something, make something, show something. <laughs> and, and I think here is this time where ideation has space at least, right. Some, a little more space perhaps to be activated and del- delved into. And I would say, don't undervalue that space, right? Like don't, mm-hmm. it, it's not so much about making uh, you know, at in this moment, it may not be about production. It may be about ideation and uh, po- a lot of post-it notes of ideas. A grip um, of post-it notes. Yep. Notebook. And, Write that shit down. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's producing too, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, it depends on what discipline you're, you're working in. And then finally, I would say, um, if you, all you can do is lounge around the house right? Because I know I I need to do that because I just need a break. Um, (laughs) Think about how that opportunity for rest, leisure, whatever you want to describe it as, how that informed, how that might inform your work, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a big fan of Derek Adams work, who Mm -hmm. is an African-American artist whose work focuses on black leisure and we don't do as people call like we don't do that enough. We don't we don't celebrate that joy. Like we don't celebrate those moments of just fulfillment and rest and um, you know just the time to just like notice something we usually just rush by, right? And yeah. so I think there's so many artists already doing that. I just want to encourage those who find it hard to sit in that space to, um, to just really try it out. Right. And, and it's so important, um, just as important as any other act towards liberation. So, um, yeah, I would say those three things right now are what's coming to my mind about, you know, what artists might be doing in this really challenging moment. And I think that a lot of, um, you know, BIPOC artists will, will, can relate to this. And I was telling my, um, homeboy the other day who's an artist and I was just like, yo, like I, I'm at this space in this pandemic where I feel guilty right now about chilling or doing anything that's not work related prepping for work, looking for work, do like it was something. And I was just like, I was like, that stands for some shit Yeah. <laughs> as of as color. Like, you know, we, um, it's just that, and I, I'm the one posting and telling everybody and their mother, joy equals resistance. But at that moment I forgot about it and I got stressed and I was like, no. Nah. And I was like, Oh no, I didn't tell my homeboy. I told my motherfucking therapist. That's what I did. I was telling her, right? Let's be real. Let's keep it real. So it was on Monday and I I see her every two weeks. I talked to her on video every two weeks and I was just like, yo, like, you know, at home, the machismo in a Latino household, my mom was never chilling. And and especially when he was gone, my, my brother's father was gone, 
it, on Fridays, we had to go grocery shopping, and she had to be at the ready at three. And so she would be looking out the window at the ready. Mm. Like, she couldn't lounge. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because he would come in and be like, oh, you being lazy, da 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 da, da. And I was mm. like, that's where it stems from. But I... I've never felt it like that. And I was like, I remember I was on my computer and I was like doing a bunch of shit. And then I was like, oh, let me maybe, you know, check out colors. That's where I, I listen to a lot of music on, on YouTube and stuff. And I was like, let me see who the latest is. And I remember my husband, which is really weird to say husband because it's weird. Um, we, we clown each other. I was like, whatever, husband. He's like, whatever, wife. So anyways, it's weird. Um, so my man, my man was coming. <laughs> And he was going to see my screen. And for a hot second, I was like, I need to be working. And I was like, he ain't even like that, though. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was just this, internal. Yeah. It's all internal. And and I think that happens to us a lot, too, because yeah. we're just like, OK, we got some money, but we need to make more. And I, I don't yeah. know. I'm sure you guys probably heard interviews of artists of color that say, you know, what people ask him, what was your big first? Uh, first big purchase when you made it big with your big check and they're like I didn't spend nothing for a long time because it mm -hmm. as people of color we have it in us that there's there's we don't know if there's going to be more yeah yeah you know whether you're mm -hmm. a, 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 a an actor musician visual artist whatever anything just uh you know essential worker you just never know if there's going to be more so you're just like mm -hmm. nah I'm not going to spend it. I got to keep making more. I got to hoard it. Now I got some, I got to hoard it, you know? So, so it's kind of like that mentality. So, you know, just piggyback on what Yvonne says is like, we forget sometimes. Cause I just forgot last week, <laughs> you know, that mm -hmm. like, that's part of the process. I always say it's like the airplane oxygen first on you. And then you yeah. can take care of others. Like, you know, yeah. so that, I think that's very important. Like take the time. The ideation is key. That's one thing that I'm missing as an artist is that, you know, pre-pandemic, I homeschooled for three years, but he went to classes. And for three days out of the week, I had three hours where I wasn't at home, but I was at a coffee shop. And two of those hours was me getting shit together, looking around, doing research, just, you know, getting in that zone. You need to get in that zone for as a creative. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a visual artist, a marketer, you're thinking of commercials, whatever. Like you need that. Time. That's why you see couches up in offices a lot because you're just like mm -hmm. lounging like, but you're working. And right. People yeah. have to remember that that's part of the process. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about. We we hear a lot of about the the museums and those types of art institutions. What are we thinking is the current state of galleries? You know, whatever galleries like in the big cities, even small cities. But like, for example, uh, like Corey Helford here or something like that along those lines. Are they surviving? What you know, what is what is the future for them uh, just in general real quick? What do you think? Well, um, you know, just speaking from my vantage point here in North Carolina, um, the small gallery spaces are struggling, uh, struggling pretty hard. And that's been more of an issue, um, even pre COVID. Um, if, if I were to extrapolate this to LA and New York and, um, you know, the larger blue chip galleries acquiring, um, uh, you know, acquiring artists from smaller 
smaller mm-hmm. gallery spaces. So, you know, kind of that rush to, you know, the smaller galleries are cultivating the artists and then they're getting plucked away from, um, from the larger ones. And so with COVID, it's just been, you know, just exacerbated by, um, you know, rents and inactivity mm-hmm. and inaccessibility and all that. So that's kind of a yet to be determined space. I, we've been lucky here in Raleigh where there haven't been closures, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, but because uh, more the hospitality industry has been impacted far more than, um, than the gallery space. But I, you know, I think that they're just hanging by a thread at this point. Yeah. I, I was going to say that I, I think the gallery model has been under threat for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and what I mean by under threat is um, the demand for gallery services uh, has, you know, ha- has been, uh, leveled by technology, social media, and the ability for artists to connect directly with with collectors and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you were a gallerist, um, you know you were usually working in tandem with larger institutions, museums, right? To um, not just assess and place and position yourself within an existing market, but to create emerging markets, right? So we know that. That funny little connection, that funny little delicate line that museums and galleries walk, right, uh, around conflicts of interest, et cetera. Mm. Uh, but I think, um, I think right now, uh, it, it really is about those galleries who have worked really hard for their artists and really hustled. Because I have, of course, we have like hundreds of stories that we can share about the bad, you know, those bad experiences with galleries. But I think there, there are definitely good experiences. And that's because number one, the gallerist intimately knows the work of the artist is dedicated to their, um, you know, their visions and have hustled for them, have proven, right. To have a proven track record. And those are like any relationship. Those are the ones that I think are sustaining. Um, The others, I don't know. I mean, they have such um, a negative reputation with more of the emerging um, artist communities um, for a number of reasons. And, uh, And so I don't know. But uh, what where they're going to land after this uh, ongoing economic crisis. But I do know that uh, we we certainly um, I think we certainly are needing to explore alternative models for artists and the sale of their work, which is already happening. So we'll yeah. see. I think it'll be interesting to see what rises to the top yeah. after we come out of this. I don't know if the gallery model is 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 going to be the you know one connector like it used to be. Yeah. I will say I think that um, you know, it's interesting during this time we thought that, okay, well, virtual shows will take off and that will become a thing and viewing rooms. I have viewing room fatigue. (laughs) Oh, I bet. And, you know, and it's funny how some galleries still create this exclusivity around (laughs) 
you know, the viewing of work. That's just, you're just posting it online. You don't need to create a, you know, a VIP <laughs> link, you know, like, so it's just, it's, it's just maddening to me how some spaces continue to perpetuate that, uh, you know, that art is really only for, uh, certain individuals. So, and, yeah. Um, so to the extent that gallery spaces, um, democratize the process by, you know, taking the work outside into the public realm, you know, and doing more, um, you know, innovative ways of engaging with communities um, that, that have not been reached out to in the past. I think that that's, you know, those are going to be the models that I hope yeah. uh, will be some sustainability. Yeah. I hope so. Cause I feel like that so many people will benefit. They will benefit. Like mm-hmm. every, there's so many different um, areas that will benefit. Um, one mm-hmm. thing I have noticed and I love seeing is um, people just with bigger platforms sharing, uh, giving a space for artists to give them more visibility, uh, you know, mm-hmm. on all social media. And I love seeing that. And now I'm following so many more new artists, you know, where you thought, you know, people are like, oh, but there aren't, you know, they always say that shit about, you know, us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we can't hire any writers. There aren't any. Well, they're mm-hmm. blah, 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 they're here. Oh, we don't. There's not that many, you know, black female artists. Blah, 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 blah. There's all right here, and they're all yeah. amazing and dope. And so I, that's what I have been loving about this moment. Um, I know I got you ladies here for an hour. We're running out of time, but I wanted to see if you had a little bit of time for me to ask you a couple of personal questions what we call here the not so rapid fire questions but i will limit it to a couple if you guys the first episodes i was like let's do the rapid fire questions and then they were like just turned out to be longer so now they're the not so rapid fire questions <laughs> um but you know we love them we love them um i i would love to maybe have you guys on again so that we, when the next phase comes out and I want to get your insight if you guys are down for that, because I feel like we could talk about this shit for a long ass time, like the different sections and the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like before, before we get into these questions, uh, how are we feeling? Are we hopeful for the future of BIPOC, disabled, LGBTQIA plus artists? Yeah. Yes. 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 There's only Uh, one way to go from here. (laughs) Absolutely. So on Friday, um, I keep mentioning Raleigh. I'm just, you know, I'm going to ride for Raleigh. Rep it, girl, rep. And also I want to give a shout out to Hank Willis Thomas, who is an artist that has been doing a lot of the things that we're talking about. So Ritzy, you just mentioned um, people opening their platforms up to other artists. He's been really good about doing that, um, opening his Instagram up for um, illustrators and artists to show their work. Um, it's like Dean Ice has been doing that too, like with his uh, with his DJ sets. He's putting other DJs on. So, anyways, yeah, great. Um, I love so seeing that. So, Hank Thomas just uh, in there was an installation of one of his neon signs um, right down at Raleigh's Union Station. And uh, the neon sign says love rules and it's kind of a word play. So it'll flash love over rules, love rules. And it's just, it just flashes continuously. 
So it's been installed. Um, they lit it up on Friday and we had, there was a band that came in, a marching band, because North Carolina loves their marching bands. God bless them. I love it. So this marching band from the Helping Hands Mission came. Everyone was masked up. Drum corps, dancers, um, all like showed up in, in Royal Union Station. Everyone was, you know, properly social distanced. And I, in that moment, I realized how important it is to just, you know, how music is so important to the soul seeing that piece of artwork installed at this critical time when we're just going through so much crap in politics mm. and, you know, in the news and COVID and everything, um, to all kind of have a small group of people be able to like celebrate in that moment was so powerful. And that sign will continue to be there. And so it's just such Amazing. a lovely beacon of hope and possibility that I'm just, I'm thrilled. And so the, um, Contemporary Art Museum right across the street had a bunch of signs put up where people could write, you know, love overrules, fill in the blank. And so there's kind of this dialogue that's being created um, just from a, from a public installation is just so important right now. So, you know, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, yes, I'm optimistic as to, you know, uh, what, what we are capable of moving forward. Yeah, Amazing. I'm same. I'm so same on that. Um, I've just always been inspired by the way artists support other artists um, in my experience. And uh, I, I think the possibilities have already begun to reveal themselves and how younger um, black and brown artists have already been integrating they're more integrated than we ever were on these Please issues and on their lives and on their needs mm. um the the ideas of uh holistic just being right as opposed to a, being a producer um is is inspiring to me because i've always been uh at work at the spiritual level um mm. in in addition to um, all the other work. Uh, so artists are really just modeling that and they're modeling it louder and clearer um, than ever before. So I am, I am always inspired by the younger generation, how, how our, our current generation, I'm Gen X. So um, Gen how Gen X. X is evolving and finding their voice. Um, and we had a lot of angst. Thank God we have public energy <laughs> and Kurt Cobain. Right. And, Please believe you it. Know, <laughs> you know, but we had a lot of angst uh, and we didn't quite know how to maneuver those spaces of power that we found ourselves in. But yep. um, so we're, we're learning, right? Learning is a circle. It's not a hierarchy. And yep. um, I'm just, yeah, continually ever optimistic about what is yet to come. That's, that's great. I love that because that's one of the ongoing themes here so far every episode, especially when I talk to my homegirl in episode five, uh, Dr. Rachel Ramis, we talk about all the spaces that we've been in that we were the only woman and sometimes oh. also on top of that, the only woman of color in white mm -hmm. male dominated spaces and yep. our generation, the w w Gen X that we're evolving now is that and what I saw, especially when I entered the music industry was that it was crabs, white supremacy, colonization has ingrained us, has 
infiltrated us on so many levels, on the cellular level sometimes, that we were just always crabs in a barrel. So I'm the only woman. I'm the only person of color. There can only be one. So, oh, Mm -hmm. you're not taking my spot, bitch, because I'm the only (laughs) one. But these newer generations, they're like, yo, let's pull everybody up. Like, let's do Mm -hmm. it together. Strength in Mm -hmm. numbers. And as I was never down with the, you know, with the the pushing people down. I was always like, yo, this isn't right. And another woman pulled me up. You know, at a time mm-hmm. when there weren't many, and I said it, that she's like a unicorn, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of us that maybe felt that way because we felt it was survival, it was like survival technique, we're evolving. And hopefully those who haven't yet are continue to evolve because we can learn from each other, right? Um, and and have all these different safe spaces, Um to do the work, learn from each other, and fucking, because I keep saying, if we unite, mm-hmm. the powers that be will be shook as fuck. And that's yeah, why they do whatever they can yeah. to separate us, yep. to, you know, segregate us. So let's yeah. unite. I love these different mentalities and the fact that, you know, I can reach out to you guys during a pandemic and still see you. We can connect. And we've built this amazing for this hour or whatever it's going to be, this space and share it with mm-hmm. everybody. And everyone in the world has access to it. They can relate to it. They'll learn from it. You know, maybe they chime in. Like, I love this shit right now. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, maybe I wasn't drawing and creating that type of art but I'm creating a space you know and whatever we can do like find your find your shit right now and this is fantastic so thank you so much let's get into these questions oh yeah okay but before you do I just want to give a shout out to some of the artists that I know who've been doing that for a while um uh, one you know she's who's all our girl please Um, believe it I want to have her on come on <laughs> yes, um, who who has been collaborating with artists in really um, you know large institutional spaces, and then of course Rafa Esparza, who just flipped the whole Whitney Biennial mm. model on its head um, yes. in terms of you know uh, just transforming the curatorial uh, practice, um, and 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 just inspired by those who have been doing this for a while. And so please, um, you know, understand that uh, we all have homework to do on those who came before us and those who've been doing it before, because then we can make things even more extraordinary. So I just wanted to shout those two out. That's right. Please believe it. Please believe it. Okay, real quick, let's get into the not so rapid fire questions. I'll go back and forth between you guys. Um, let's start with Yvonne. What's the best piece of advice that you received so far in life? Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> see, not so rapid. The best, <laughs> the best piece of advice I have received so far. Uh, what you need, you already have in you. Please believe it. All right. Colony. Oh, uh, I was a deer in the headlights when you asked that question. <laughs> yes, he, so there's been so much, I will say that, which uh, is a blessing. Um, yes. I will say, um, well, when I first got into writing, I was leaving a career, uh, a completely different career in the financial services industry. So that's really where I've spent 20 years of my life is in the insurance industry. 
And I made the decision to leave it. It was a very tough one, um, but I wanted to uh, work in the, in the arts in some capacity. And so when I made that decision, I remember um, really struggling with it. And my mom said, whatever you decide to do, own it. Mm -hmm. And I've always held on to that one piece of advice because you shouldn't rule your life. You shouldn't live your life in fear and, you know, yeah. make, make a decision, make a change, own that change. If you've got to change again, do it. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. And so, yeah, just own your decisions. Love that as well. All right. Now, going back to you, back to you, Colony, again, let's start off this side. Um, what are you doing to dismantle the patriarchy? Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm in North Carolina. I'm voting. So I'm telling everyone to, yep. God damn it, vote. Like, that's yep. where I am right now. Use your vote, use your power. And don't be discouraged. I mean, my God. So um, vote and hold people accountable. Yeah. Okay. So it's not one and done. We still have work to do. I think we were talking about that earlier. We've got to roll up our sleeves after November and, and hold anyone and everyone accountable. No matter who, no matter who's in office, there's mad work to do. I think people forget about that shit. So it's a great reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yvonne. Oh man. Um, well, I, I am, I, I've been doing a lot of work, uh, to address the fuckery that is the patriarchy. Um, but I, I think more personally, you know, I have a lot of conversations with my mom about this, um, who for the past couple of years for all of our family holidays, we have, uh, refused to be in the kitchen. As a Latino family, that's really radical. That's radical as fuck. And we have had, you know, of course, the men in my family have not been happy about it. (laughs) Um, So that is needless to say. But also, you know, um, among other Latinas and women of color, you know, I'm just always uh, very quick to point out that women can advance the patriarchy just as much as men can and that we need to really... Um, increase our own self-awareness about yeah. how um, the gender binary, right, is is just limiting the possibilities, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And then on a professional level, um, I have explored with artists through projects and conversations, you know, gender non-binaryism. So um, those, those moments, intentional or not, that expressed... Um, that expressed that uh, fuzzy line, the spectrum, the multitudes of gender expression, and so um, I, I, I and and as someone, as a girl who 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 grew up right in a very gender genderized um, culture, um, always not feeling comfortable in that you know those limiting categories, so. It's something that's really personal to me. And then, of course, yes, to underscore colonies. Very important message. Vote your asses off. Please believe it. <laughs> and, then get, and then get ready for work. Yeah, that's right. Please believe it. Right. Um, another, another thing that I, I talk about often is um, speaking of, you know, um, be fluid and the spectrum and all that shit. I am learning so much 
on the tip top about that, you know, <laughs> like for reals, because, yeah. you know, especially just there's so many people that I, there's a couple of people that I follow that I'm learning a lot from, especially in the trans trans, you know, speak trans women, trans men. I'm learning mm-hmm. so much. And just mm-hmm. like, you know, people that are on there, they're just gender fluid. And then I, I, I think of these new concepts and then I ask like my niece or nephew, I'm like, yo, word, like you have friends like this that are like, it's fascinating to me. And, 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 kind of empowering it's like wow you guys are so lucky she's like you know my my niece was like yeah I have a friend who's gender you know fluid and is that like is expresses it and it's fine and I was like that is like worlds different from 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 our shit and also going back to your point Yvonne that I mentioned before but I will mention it again because I think it's very important that you know the patriarch is so ingrained in us that when I first got into the music industry my mentality was yo I thought to be respected by the dudes, I had to be like a dude. Yes. And you don't need that shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I don't got to be like a dude and then look down on other women who are acting as women. Do you know what I'm saying? Like feminine and emotional. Nah, it's, we could be all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And so I think we we forget that. We, for, we, we forget to check ourselves and how are yeah. we how are we adding to the, the patriarchy without even maybe knowing it sometimes, you know what I'm that's saying? Right. So that's, that's right. always, that's really good. So to close it out, it's a simpler one, ladies. I'm going <laughs> to, we're not going to get into like your, your thesis <laughs> statement, but um, Yvonne, what is the song that you, gets you hyped? That you always got on your playlist at the ready to get you hyped, oh or one of them because I know there's different like instances. <laughs> what is your favorite child? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I okay. What gets me? You know, I'm looking at my playlist. You looking at your right playlist? <laughs> oh my gosh. Because I mean, I'm a huge Prince fan. You already know Red yeah. Sea, yeah. so. I mean, there are so many, you know, selections from from that uh, discography, the masterful <laughs> print. But you know who really gets me hyped? Like, if I need to get motivated to um, to go work out or to work out, period, I would have to say it's like Ghostface Killer, like Ooh. any Ghostface, Ooh. any. And- I'm really, and those who know me, who are close to me, know this already about me, but I love me some Ghostface. Like, that gets me like, yeah, because you know why? He can be hard and sensitive. (laughs) Yvonne. When I met you, the first the first time I met you was when we did that talk at that arts. What was it? College something arts. I don't know what it was. College Art Association. So yeah. we did that stuff, right? And I met you and I was like, how do I not know this girl? I was telling uh, my husband. I was like, my man. I was like, I like, we're like separated at birth or something like that. And especially right now, because my everyone who knows me knows my go-to is We Made It by Ghostface Killer or anything off of the Supreme Clientele album. Oh my gosh, same. Yes. <laughs> any I mean, track I off of that album, you, I, I'm hyped. I'm <laughs> hyped for And it goes for any occasion, any occasion. A corporate exactly. one, a not so corporate one. It, it doesn't, it doesn't. Oh my God, Yvonne. Ugh. Yes. Okay. Colony. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, well, for Yvonne, I'm going to get, when we when we wrap this up, I'm going to listen to Cher Shayla Ghost, because that's my <laughs> favorite. That's yeah. right, that's right. So, but uh, to pick one, oh, I'm dropping my books. Um, if I had to pick one song, I, I have songs for different moods. So if yeah. there's like a fight song or a hype song, yeah, a fight or hype song, the, yes. I'm in the South, so I'm going to go with the South and go really old school with some Trick Daddy and Shut Up. Ooh, yes. Um, that is like, again, again, we're going full circle on the horn. Like, the, <laughs> <laughs> I got to hear a word. So, yeah, that. Um, I'll go with that. Yeah. Oh yes, Trick Daddy. There is no more to <laughs> Trick Daddy. I, yes. I love that song. And you remember, I was making my my niece, who now second year UCLA neuroscience. She was. Her remember, playlist. I was making that playlist. I was making. Yeah. My, my niece was like, "Can you make me a playlist of like some of your old school jam, my old school jams, to um get me hyped <laughs> as I'm filling out my college applications?" I was like, "Yeah." So I went on Twitter and I asked, and she was like. You know, Trick Daddy Shut Up. I was like, please believe yeah. And I added it to the list. <laughs> and your song was added to the list. And that list was played when she filled out the application. She got into the, one of the hardest schools to get into for neuroscience. And you yes. got to study the ring. Oh, yeah. yes. oh I'm so That's glad. That's why we're here. Second That's year. why we're here, ladies. Yes. Um, Thank you so much. You know what I'm saying? This was amazing. Like I said, I want to have you guys on again to discuss. I feel like this is real important. Um, And, and, you know, I'll get all the links from all the people that in institute and organizations and whatever, whatever to, to link to. But before we leave, let people know how they can get a hold of you. What's your handle or your site or whatever, or anything you want to promote. Boom. Who wants, whoever wants to go first. Yeah, I go ahead. Go ahead, Yvonne. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Uh, Twitter is my name, Yvonne Gallardo, at Yvonne Gallardo. Facebook is the same. Um, IG is Muse1971. I'm dating myself, but um, (laughs) that is my IG handle. And then my website is YvonneGallardo.com. So check it out. And in terms of uplifting uh, something right now, well, um, I would just say, you know, if you, it's actually a question to your listeners. If anyone's figured out how to navigate all this content and show up for all these things that (laughs) are being done and created, (laughs) let me know because, I mean, I can barely, you know, tune into... (laughs) a friend's discussion on IG live. But if someone's figured out some sort of uh, way to do better, manage that and take in more content, I am open to, to hearing that. So that's yeah. more of a question, but that's good. Thanks one. for having me. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's thing. good. And I go by culture shock art on Instagram and on Twitter, culture shock art, all one word. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter just talking mess and yeah. <laughs> very entertaining mess. Yeah, playing song, cracking jokes. Instagram is where I really like to, you know, highlight either the artist I'm writing about um, or uh, just the art, the art that just gets me going every day. So um, you can you can find me at both places. 
links to my blog at culture shock art as well. So awesome. Oh my God. Thank you so much, ladies. This was better than I expected. I knew it was going to be good. Um, I, you know, I can't just invite just whoever to talk here. You know what I'm saying? Like not everyone's going to be able to do this and you guys both shine. So thank you so much. This was fun. I always love learning and learn something new today. And it's always great to meet new people. So pleasure to meet you, Yvonne. And it's great to see you. I know. See you. I love your hair right now. (laughs) My COVID cut. Since 1989, the National Association of Latino Arts and Cultures, NALAC, has served to stabilize and revitalize the U.S. Latinx arts and cultural sector through funding, leadership training, convenings, research, and advocacy. NALAC serves thousands of Latinx artists and nonprofit Latinx arts and cultural organizations in urban and rural communities and has distributed over $3 million in grants and awards driving equitable funding within the arts and culture sector. For more information, visit NALAC.org. And now, introducing the Supernatural Bear Corner. Supernatural Bear. Hello, this is the SNB 16, or just Supernatural Bear, whichever one you want to call me. And I'm here to um, just say how important art is. Art has changed the world it's from paintings to sculptures um to drawing from drawings um to even music or just writing or just writing musical notes depends but art is everywhere and it's super important I may be repeating myself, but yeah, super important, guys. And we gotta make art and help art make this world a better place. So, just saying that, thank you. Goodbye, my dudes and dudettes. There it is, episode seven, with two dope ladies. I hope you had a good time listening to that. Uh, when I wanted to do this episode, I thought of them, and I was like, do you guys know each other? They didn't, but I was like, if you guys would be down, it would be great if you guys can come on, because I really wanted to have two um, a bl- black woman and a Latinx woman on here to talk about this, right? I didn't want um, people talking about it that didn't understand. So it was very important. So here they are. Also, um, thank you for listening. We're in episode seven. We're, we're coming up on, on 10 uh, pretty soon. 
you know, and this was an idea many, many moons ago. And here we are, you know, trucking through surgeries and shit. Um, and also there's, you know, different ways to, to, to help out, but please something that's free is, uh, leave a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, but yeah, leave that review kids appreciate the support, the feedback that we're getting. I, I love it all. So yeah, thank you so much. And, um, next episode coming up will be the latest relatives be episode zero two in the relatives series so stay tuned for that as always love to liberty and the fam that are free roman free living that life in new zealand until next time we reap word to your mama is owned and produced by ritzy p the intro beat is produced by nico beats and as always it's brought to you by ritzyperiwinkle.com doyensharp.com and panoplybpo.com.